Welcome to The Tony Report. I'm your host, Tony Westcliff, and I'm here to find out all about arts and entertainment in the digital age. I'm here with with Matt Smith from the band Lyosha. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hi, Tony. Nice to see you. It's very nice to see you. I've come all the way down to Margate, uh, to Matt's flat. Uh, well, I think we're in Margate, aren't we? Um, no, we're in Ramsgate. What, what's the difference? Uh, Margate's full of um, very hip people, and Ramsgate's full of... Um, Just you? Me, me and my friends. Yeah. And that's it, really. Yeah, that's all. And water. Lots of water. I mean, that's good. It's good to have friends. I'd I'd be worried if you said it was just your enemies here and you were stuck here with just your enemies in Ramsgate. Yeah, no, that's that's Broadstairs. I think you Yeah. <laughs> that's Broadstairs. I've never been there. I've heard terrible things. Um, so you, you, you make music in a band called Lyosha. Am I, am I saying that right? Yep, yep. Excellent. Do you want to tell me a little bit about Lyosha? Yep. Well, Lyosha is myself and Abby Hubbard. So I'm a producer, engineer, musician type person, and she writes and plays instruments and sings. Fantastic. You've said lots of words that I don't understand there, but I think that's kind of the crux of what we're here to talk about today, because I understand that you're a computer musician that makes a lot of music primarily on the computer. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I've got a laptop uh, uh, with with buttons on it that I press to sort of make noises and stuff. And uh, and I plug other things into that computer as well to help me make more noises and stuff. Fantastic. Well, I just I for for the for the listeners at home, I just need to describe it. Now, you will have heard of a studio flat before. And when people talk about a studio flat, they usually just mean a flat that has one room, but Matt's flat has at least two rooms. But the one I'm in now is a music studio, so it's a studio flat in a slightly different sense. We've got the egg boxes on the wall, uh, we've got various... There's at least one lava lamp, and this this kind of sprawling table of gizmos and gadgetry over here with the laptop. What is that? Is that a ZX Spectrum? Is it an Amiga 500? Mm, what have you got there? No, it's, it's called an Apple Mac computer quite old that one that that one's from 2015 but it's still going strong uh you know i'm still able to do bits and bobs with it and then i've got uh, a couple of keyboards hooked up to that and some effects units uh, for making different noises drum machine what else got here oh and also a rug for my cat to sit on because the cat likes to sit there while i'm doing my work it, um, it's important to have rugs, whether there's cats or not. I, it, they do seem to be an important studio feature that I see recurring. Um, there's lots of things with blankets on them. Uh, there's lots of instruments with stickers on. Uh, this is a, a keyboard of some description. We've got a couple of guitars. All of the paraphernalia that you would expect, really. Um, just trying to see if there's anything. And, and lots of... Uh, 
I can see you've got all of your gig posters up from places that you've played. So what happens? Do you have to take all of this to a venue, the, the whole computer, you know, the, the modem, all of those parts with you when uh, you go yeah, and play the a whole, show? Yeah, the whole computer comes along and, and the, one of the keyboards... Uh, there's some things called MIDI controllers that I take as well. MIDI controllers? Yeah. What does so, that stand for? So that's a musical instrument digital interface. Um, wow, it's, we. It's a, it's a way that um, various gizmos can talk to the computer and talk to each other and control each other or you know, uh, enable you to do things with others. So I, I'll have a MIDI controller that is like a mixing board for me with faders and with dials on it so i can adjust the sounds as i'm playing um i'll also have midi controllers that enable me to trigger sounds like drums um and sound effects um as well as um, my keyboard sounds as well so it's like your drummer is inside the computer and with this MIDI, what did you say it stands for? Multiple Immediate Disco Instrument. A mu musical Instrument Digital Interface. And th this gives instructions to the computer about which sound to play? And Yeah, it's actually a, a format that was pioneered in 1982 and released in 1983. And it's a, like an 8-bit uh, computer standard. So these interfaces, I can see you've got some that look like a piano and they have all the keys of a piano and then there's yeah. some others where it's more it's more hip hop. It's little I, I, squares that you Yeah, you touch. lots I've got I've got I've got a few things with little squares on them. I've got the drum machine, uh which I play like a drum kit. Why squares? Why not why Oof, not this is the circles? Uh, well, it's a good question. A friend of mine is actually invented a drum machine that is a circle and it's got triangles in it and he was trying to get um you know like roland or or yamaha to take it on and and they didn't um unfortunately when you say triangles you mean the little orchestral three, triangle that you touch no you no ping. no like a three-sided shape um that you commonly you know commonly known as a triangle so i thought yamaha were quite big fans of triangles but Yamaha make triangles and motorbikes, possibly the only company in the world to do so. It's a strange business strategy. It's always struck me as odd. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yamaha Corporation are strange, um, but they make good things. Um, so, you know, may, may blessings fall upon the company Yamaha. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, in conventional music, we have the keys of a piano, you know, they go from A up to G and you've got the sharps on some of those, but then it goes back round to A again. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole alphabet of music that we haven't been able to access, you know, before the digital age. Now, your keyboard there on your Apple Macintosh has all of the other letters on. So does that mean that you can now play music that has J in it or a, a Q, perhaps? No, not really. Um, the, the different letters are, are you know, because if you think of how what computers are often used for, 
is for typing you know right. like a word processor or a um, like a typewriter with a with a tv screen built in but when people are using them to make music we might use the same sort of functionality to type you know if i want to name my sound something like piano one i can type in piano one or i might use those keys for different functions on the computer so if i want to save my song or if i want to exit my song then there are different i could press different keys on the keyboard but as yet i haven't found j as as a note um although my friend dunk the trump swears that there is a there is a j note dunk the trump he's a he's a trumpet he's a trumpetizer yeah he plays trumpet I mean, it seems like an awful waste. Even listening to you there, the word piano, you know, that's... The A is the only conventional musical letter in there. So if you could play the word piano in a scale, you'd have, you know, 80% new notes there, just in that word. And it's a shame. So I'd like to kind of keep an eye on that and see what develops because it seems you know wasteful that we don't use the the z note and the you could i mean maybe P. you could try uh, the, the um you know asian music asian music often uses what uh, microtones so notes in between the notes microphones microtones so you might get uh, a a and a bit a and a bit more a halfway between b more a little bit more towards B more notes in between the notes is that because they don't use the same alphabet as us I think so so they've got you know like the Inuits have lots of words for snow is it that in perhaps in the Hindi language in the Sanskrit there are lots of different ahs and ah ah I wouldn't like to say I'm not an expert on um Asian music. So I'd have to ask George Harrison or someone like that, perhaps. The yeah, Cooler Shaker. Cooler Sha- yeah, Cooler Shaker. Cooler Shaker would know, would they? The, uh, yeah, I would, I would ask Cooler Shaker. And, um, yeah, don't ask Eric Clapton. Okay. I'll just avoid him. I, I avoid him in general. You know, the last time I saw him, it didn't end well. Well, thank you. I, I feel like I've already learned quite a bit. My My brain is buzzing with new information, but... I really wanted to sort of drill down and ask some of the more serious questions now and really get to the root of some of these things. So, first off, um, in your opinion, where do songs come from? Um, in a lot of instances, they come from the heart, I would say, or from the soul of of a human. Uh, you know, the heart and soul of a human attached to their brain and then perhaps from their brain to their mouth or, or to a pen, you know, however they choose to express themselves. So if someone were to be soulless or without a soul, then perhaps they couldn't make music at all or the music that they made would be particularly bad. I'm thinking maybe Christa Berg. Mm, yeah, not so much Christa Berg. I mean, he, his, I mean, his songs come from his eyebrows. But maybe more someone like Edward Sheeran. That makes total sense. Obviously, we're not conflating gingerness with soullessness here. Uh, it's totally unrelated. But Ed Sheeran being soulless, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, because there is music there. We, many people would describe it as music. But where it's come from, we don't know. The void, the abyss. That leaves me with even more questions. 
What do you think about, you know, people are worried about this sort of thing at the moment. Will computers replace us as humans, as artists, as lovers? Quite possibly. Um, we're seeing a lot of that at the moment with the new sort of AI chat GPT, is it, I think, uh, which can auto-generate text. Um, people using it all sorts, university submission papers, um, you know, all sorts. But I don't know. I don't know. At some point, or very soon, we're going to start hearing music made by computers, solely by computers, based off, you know, stuff they hear. An interesting thing, I mean, we've been using software that can uh, enable us to extract audio from all different sources. Uh, but the, the, the example you gave was that, say, if you took the work, the entire catalogue of Nina Simone and extracted the vocals from all her records and then fed it into a computer, you could essentially get the computer to regenerate new Nina Simone content based on how she sang, the type of language she used, the words, how she phrased things. Um, yeah, it's I don't think she'd approve. Well, I don't know. I can't speak. I can't speak for her, but... You know, I kind of figure that perhaps we've only got five years left um, before you start to hit things that are competing, especially in pop music. I think if you if you took a, a pop song that had a pretty s s um, simple uh, chord structure and melody, and perhaps if it's already heavily auto-tuned, the vocals, then I don't see why a computer couldn't do that without the human. Um then it's up to humans whether they like it or not. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Buy it. I mean, we've had Henry Hoover for quite a while, haven't we? And that's sort of the same thing. Mm. You know, it's pretending to be a person. Well, he sucks. I mean... <laughs> yeah, much. he sucks. Much like a lot, of, a lot of popular music nowadays. The Henry Hoover principle. Um, do you think a woman could ever make computer music? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a band with a woman who, who makes music on a computer, uh, and she does a great job. Um, there's, there's, there's thousands of women who make music on computers, millions even. Um, millions. St. Vincent is a prime example of a current artist that's brilliant. Um, go back into, go back a few years. You've got Delia Derbyshire. Um, who's, who's that? She did the Doctor Who music. That's what she's most famous for. Um, but the original did... Doctor Who music from yeah, back in the day. Yeah, well, her, her and her, her, you know, contemporaries, they were working at the BBC in the radiophonic workshop uh, with all kinds of... In fact, this is pre-computers. They were experimenting with oscillators and tape loops and, and recorded sound that they'd chop up and re... But you know, electronic really music with no yeah, conventional yeah, yeah, instruments. With no, yeah, yeah, without, yeah, making music without, without the need of what you'd consider uh, musical instruments. So we're talking the the Doctor Who theme, the dun 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 dun, dun mm -hmm. that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we we waited seventy years for a female Doctor Who. And it, so in many ways, the, the gender politics of the Doctor Who music was 70 years ahead of the actual television show. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you could say that, yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm learning so much. Thank you so much, Matt. I've, I've taken enough of your time today, and I, I, I really do need to get out of Ramsgate now. Do you, do you want to play 
a Laosha song? Do you want um, to? Yeah, I can do this. You don't have to push a, push a button on the computer. I can put it on afterwards. I'm pretty good at uh, pressing the space bar here. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Here we go. This, uh, this one's called Another World. Another World by Laosha there. Beautiful sounds made with a computer and with conventional musical instruments. Um, lovely conversation with Matt there. He was very hospitable. Uh, and, you know, moving forward, if I make more of these podcasts, that's the intention of the format is to speak to some sort of creative individual to, you know, grab hold of them and squeeze uh, information and inspiration out of them and pour it into your eardrums 
So I just recently relocated down to Margate in the southeast of England and there's all sorts of weird and wonderful creative people around here. And because I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to technology and the internet, what I'm hoping to do with this podcast series is sort of a magazine format where, you know, someone's going to teach me a little bit about how things work nowadays and what they do and how they make a living in, in, in the arts. And I'm, I'm going to sort of ask my my silly questions and they're going to give me the best answers they can we're going to play some music sometimes it'll be music by me or my friends sometimes it'll be music that i've sought out on Bandcamp. and you know when i play stuff i'm going to give you links in the show description so that you can go and seek it out if we talk about an article i'll give you a, a link to that so you can seek it out spoke there a little bit with Matt about the future of music and creativity and artificial intelligence and I've since found a few articles of claiming that these things have already been invented you know we can use AI to write song lyrics we can use AI to write chord progressions there are even apps that are sort of telling people hey here's the chords you should write you know chords you should use for your song um, which is just a fascinating area uh, we, we didn't talk so much about how music is kind of sold and distributed nowadays on the internet. I think that's an interesting area in its own right and one that, you know, many of us who are making and publishing music need to learn about and know about nowadays. In the, in the kind of traditional music industry, it was very much a case of you just had to have a talent and some sort of je ne sais quoi, and then it was up to record labels to send someone out to gigs to find you, and, you know, they'd say, hey, we know you're a bit awkward and you, 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 you're lacking in various ways, but here, you know, have some nose bag, come back to the studio, make us an album. Now it seems very much like you need to have to, you know, you need to be able to do everything off the bat, you know, the people that I know who've made it in the music industry they've got their own look that they've developed they you know produce their own music videos they make lots of social media content and the bigger labels are looking for people who can do all of that off the bat you know without any investment usually they well previously they used to invest time and money with a A&R department to, to kind of make you better at these things and now it's kind of like well you know if you can't mix and master your own records at home and and you haven't got uh, an entire backup dancing troupe of your own that you carry around in the back of your car uh, then, then, you, then you're not in with a shot anymore, and it's it's sad. I sort of have this mental picture of, you know, the next Jimi Hendrix, uh, and and they just never get discovered because they're busy working at Aldi. I've got a kind of micro label called Hollow Planet Records, and when I publish a piece of music I put it on uh, Bandcamp under Hollow Planet Records and then I also send it to a distributor and they send it out to all of these streaming platforms like Spotify and, and you know Apple Music and Tidal um, you know Tidal famously when it came out it was all about oh we pay artists more per stream and so on um, but then I get the data back from DistroKid that tells me, you know, how many streams I've got, or how many streams I would have to get to get a cent, you know, a hundredth of an American dollar. Uh, wowee. Got that data here, and I, I was thinking maybe I could just read it out like the shipping forecast, but I, 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 won't, I won't do that because that would be tedious. Uh, but Tidal actually comes in at fourth for me, 
um, 13 streams required to get a cent. Then YouTube with ads, six streams to get a cent. Then Spotify, two and a half streams to get a cent. And one cent per stream on YouTube Red. So YouTube Red in first place there. That's YouTube where people have paid for a subscription to YouTube without ads. Uh, and YouTube with ads coming in third. Spotify, not actually bad. Comes out better than Tidal, at least from my data, on you know payment per streams, which is unusual because when Tidal first launched, it was all about, oh, you know, streaming is, is not a good deal for artists and Spotify doesn't pay artists enough and we're going to pay them more. And based on my data, Spotify has given me, you know, something like four times more per stream. Now, we're dealing with piddly amounts of streams and it's you know barely enough for me to put some petrol in my car with every couple of months uh, but I thought that might interest you for you know for those of you out there who are publishing your own music or just interested in picking a platform that pays artists correctly it seems like for me at the moment YouTube Red is actually at the top Spotify is the second um, um, now I know that uh, streams only count if they're not muted so you know if you want to support me by playing my music on a loop you need to have it at, at least 10% volume if you can stomach that there's a brilliant story of the American funk band Wolfpack uh, they released an album called Sleepify which doesn't have any noise on it at all it's just a bunch of 30 second silence loops and they basically got their fans to just play that a bunch and used that to uh, crowdfund a free tour of the band which is a fantastic idea and a, a silly example of people playing around uh, with how streaming works and how it's monetized now Spotify has a kind of donation button to specific fans now but you know I'm sure many people would argue it shouldn't need to have that um so one of the things I will be doing on this show is occasionally playing other people's music and then trying to kind of direct you to their band camp. It's not a music show, it's an arts and culture show. We'll cover a different theme each week. But in this case, I've tried to pick a song that fits the theme of our discussion. So, you know, talking to you now and talking earlier with Matt, we were talking about, you know, computers and, and music and making music in the digital age. And I've got a brilliant piece of music here by a band. They're called Hens Benz. They're from Fife. They're a sort of noisy synthesizer pop group. And this song isn't about music and computers, but it is about computers. Uh, and it's one of my favourite types of music in the sense that it's a silly song, but it's not necessarily a novelty song. Now, you, you'll hear kind of a computer voice on this track. Their other tracks have, you know, genuine human singing on, but I picked this song because it's about, you know, how our computers have changed over the years and how that might in impact how we interact with them. So please enjoy Files and Folders by Hens Benz.
and folders. It gets slower and slower as it gets older. One day it broke, but I know how to solder. Forget Android and iOS. Real computers are the best. iPads are a bore. They don't use files and folders anymore. I don't know what to do. It's Files and Folders 22. It's got the latest operating system. And a developer preview of the next edition. And the market rival on another partition. Give you a list of what's inside. It's got an SSD and a Blu-ray drive. And it's got RAM of the maximum size. Forget Android and iOS. Real computers are the best. iPads are a bore. They don't use files and folders anymore. I don't know what to do. Files and Folders 22 and folders 22 the Tony report was brought to you by and the next one will be in now hundred years if you want to contact us it's at Tony underscore Westcliff on Twitter you can also find us at hollow planet records on Burncamp. Tune in next time, if there is a next time, and if there's not a next time, see you around. On play on Spotify, 0 0.00528899585 Single play on Spotify, 0.00004787633300 Pull spec play on Amazon streaming 0.00 0